Hey, we want to thank you for listening today to a sermon from Edwards Lake Church. And we hope that you recognize the message of God as we open his word together and examine his incredible life-changing teaching. We pray that this message will challenge you, motivate you, or touch you in some way. Let's open the Bible together. Once again, it's a real pleasure to be with you this evening. Uh, and once again, my family found an excuse for not being here. <laughs> uh, they had a good friend that was preaching at Selfville, and they uh, wanted to hear him instead of me, so I couldn't blame them too much for that. Uh, I'm excited to be able to stand before you. Uh, I have a, a lesson that uh, actually preached at Selfville a couple months back that uh, it, there's nothing earth-shattering about it. You know, so much of, of Bible study is that way. Uh, there's, if you're preaching something new, you know, you, you better watch out. Uh, obviously, the, the truth has been around for a while, and anytime somebody starts talking about a new perspective or a new way of looking at things, you kind of get your radar up and make sure you're, you're very careful because the truth has been around for 2,000 years, and there's only so many different ways to see it. There's only really one way to see the truth. But this lesson is one that uh, was very profitable for me. Uh, I forgot my clicker. There we go. Let's see. That's it. Uh, we're going through and thinking about... Am I doing something wrong there? On the side? There you go. All right. All right. So we're going to be looking at the blessings of prayer uh, this evening. And, uh, of course, our, our brother uh, in the announcements this morning, uh, or just now, I'm sorry, mentioned... Uh, how sometimes we take uh, things for granted. He mentioned the, the safety of being able to just walk in here without fear, and, and I do think we take that for granted. I, I think another one that, that Christians often take for granted is this, the, the amazing blessing that we have with prayer and the, the power of prayer. I just want to reflect on that with you uh, this evening. I've got seven things that I want us to reflect on this, this evening that I, I think will help us. I hope it will help us. And I would imagine we could open up to discussion and, and add a few things to the list. And I guess that would be my challenge for you is to take this list home and make it your own. Think about uh, things that you can improve uh, as far as uh, your personal prayer life and, and even maybe add some things uh, to the list as well. Uh, first, I'd like us to look in, in uh, Matthew. And we're actually going to turn to Philippians 4. But the, the Matthew 6 passage, that's where Jesus tells us, uh, not to be anxious. Sermon on the Mount, be anxious for nothing. And, and uh, that's one of those things, as so much of the scripture is, uh, it's so much easier said than done. How can I not be anxious? How can I not worry? Uh, how can I get a, a, a hold of my anxiety? And, and certainly, uh, you know, this past year uh, was a pretty good illustration of that. Uh, I think Christians had... Uh, a much better handle on some of what was going on because we're grounded in, in the unmovable. We're grounded in the rock that shall not move. Uh, and hopefully that there was a piece to you along the way last year. It certainly should have been. Uh, we see that similar thought expressed in Philippians. And I want you to turn there. And, you know, if, if all you do is you look in, at the command there in Matthew 6, 25, is this is what I've got to do, be anxious for nothing, you say, well, that's, that's impossible uh, over in Philippians 4, uh, he connects that to prayer. And I, I think that's really the key. Uh, in, in Matthew 6, he makes the point uh, as he's going along uh, that we are people of little faith. If, if you can't get a hold of your anxiety, if you can't get a hold of your worry, then you are people of little faith. 
And, and that kind of a slap across the face, I, I think, because all of us deal with that in one way or another. All of us worry about things in one form, but, but we're not supposed to let it get the better of us. In, in Philippians 4, verse 6, very similarly, he says, Do not be anxious about anything. That's one of those all-encompassing statements. Uh, Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And then goes on, he says, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Uh, As I say, that's just such an an all-encompassing idea that if we are able to take our request to God, if we're able in, in supplication to take our request to Him, and you know, a whole other lesson would be connecting that with the ideal of thanksgiving. You see thanksgiving mentioned there. We, we go to God with our requests, and we go to Him with thanksgiving, remembering what He's done for us, remembering what He's accomplished for us, remembering the promises that He's made to us, uh, promises from a God who cannot lie. And we take our current request, we take our current anxieties to Him, knowing that he, he's got it, knowing that he will handle it, knowing uh, that he will work things out for our best. That's where the peace of God comes from. There in verse 7, the peace that passes understanding, guarding our hearts, guarding our minds, that this is something that we ought to be able, as God's children, we ought to be able to have access to that. We ought to be able to access a peace that passes understanding. You know, this is one of those things. Uh, I understand your, your lesson this morning was, uh, are you the Christian you should be? Is that right? Are you the Christian you should be? You think about the light that we're supposed to be shining to people around us, the example that we're supposed to be exhibiting. If people look at us and they see us stressed out and over and and just overwhelmed by the, the challenges of life, just like everybody else in the world, why would they want to become a Christian? You know, why would they want to come and, and join that when we are showing that we don't have a control of this? We don't have the peace that passes understanding. We look like the rest of the world with our worries and our concerns. But prayer is supposed to help us access that. Prayer is supposed to help us to know and, and to access this peace that passes understanding. If we could learn, if we could learn to live with that peace in our lives, it would stand out to people. We would stand out to people. And not, not that we're doing what we're doing so we can get the pat on the back. You know, we're, we're not doing that in order to get the praise of men. But aren't we trying to do our good deeds so that they can be seen of others and glorify our Father in heaven? You know, that, that's kind of that, it, it's a balancing act in some way. You have to be careful of your motivations. We're not doing it in order to get the praise of men, but we are doing it to be seen of men so they can glorify God. And I I think controlling our anxiety is one of the biggest ways we can shine our light in the world around us. This is something, this peace that passes understanding is something that our world, our society, does not understand. They, They don't comprehend it. And if we can live with that, if people can see that in our lives, and they ask us, why? Why aren't you worried right now? I know this happened in your life, and I know that happened in your life. Why aren't you pulling your hair out right now? Why aren't you stressed out beyond all belief right now? And you can say, well, I know that God's got it. I, know, I don't know how He's going to work it out, but I know that He will. I have a peace 
And you could quote this verse to them and point the glory to God and give the glory to Him. One of the ways that we know this is true, I mentioned the thanksgiving there, but if you go over to 1 Peter, a very, very simple statement. And as I say, several of the verses we're looking at this evening, we're just going to touch on, and there's some surrounding context that is just beautiful to reflect on. But this is one of those. In 1 Peter 5 and verse 7, uh, he's in the middle of a thought here, and, and in verse 6 he's telling us we need to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt us at the proper time. Actually, we're, we're going to come back to that concept later in the lesson. But look what he says in verse 7. Casting all your anxiety upon him. That's another all-encompassing statement. We need to be able to put all our anxiety on him. And look what he says next. Beautiful, beautiful statement. Because He cares for you. you know, this is not just academic. This is not just you know, intellectual. This is a God who cares for us. A God who loves us. A God who has our best interest at heart. And He tells us, not only have I got it in the past, remember to be thankful for what I've done, but I've got your future too. I've got all your worries. I, I, I've got it under control. He can't lie. He's all-powerful. And He cares for us. Isn't that beautiful? That's where the peace that passes understanding comes from. I know He cares for me, and I don't know how He's going to work it out. I don't know what it's going to look like. It may not be anything like what I'm envisioning, but I know He cares for me. And I know it's going to be beautiful. I know it's going to be wonderful. Let's go for a minute to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. This is uh, on the tail end of the section here, and, and actually we'll reference it. I've got it on the board where he's told us in verse 2 to count it joy when you meet various trials or trials of various kind. And that, that's one of those things. I mean, a whole lesson in and of itself, several scriptures tell us to do this, to be able to find a way to rejoice in trial. And, and I think that at least partially, obviously, there's an overlap here with the relief from anxiety. There's no way you can... Count it joy when you're going through trials if you're overly worried, if you're still dealing with that. But in, in the process of, of teaching us how to have joy in our trials, he says we need to know something. We need to be aware of something. We need to have access to some knowledge. Verse 3, you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. There's a benefit to the trials. There's a benefit to the tribulation. That's part of, of knowing that, that we don't have to worry about things because we know that God causes all things to work together for good for those who love Him, Romans 8. So we know the testing of our faith, he says here, produces steadfastness. Steadfastness can have its full effect that we may be perfect, complete, lacking in nothing. And we, a lot of times when we're studying that, we kind of stop there. And in fact, in, in my Bible, there's a new paragraph here between verse 4 and 5. And I know I've studied this before and treated that like two different sections. You know, starting in verse 5, he says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. I'd like to suggest to you, I don't think it's much of a leap, that that's all connected. That that's all connected. When, when we desire, if you desire wisdom in your life, if you, if you desire understanding in your life, realize the cost that comes with that. Have you ever prayed to God for wisdom? I would imagine most of us. Have you prayed for God? Help me, help me to figure out how to respond to this person. Help me, respond, help me have wisdom how to deal with this problem. 
how to deal with this issue. Most of us have probably prayed a prayer similar to that. Where does that wisdom come from? You pillow your head at night and God just beams some wisdom into your head? Is that how that works? Wisdom comes through life experience, doesn't it? Wisdom comes as we, as we read the Word and we process the Word and we, we filter the Word through our life experiences through the trials and the tribulations that he just finished talking about. So when he's talking about wisdom here, if any of you lacks wisdom, ask God. He'll give it to you generously without reproach. He will take care of you. He will help you to get that wisdom. But gaining wisdom is not always a comfortable thing. It's not always an easy thing. Uh, that, to me, I, the, the old saying, be careful what you pray for. You know, I prayed for patience and God gave me five kids. You know, are you with me? <laughs> are you with me? <laughs> we want wisdom, but that comes at a cost. And, and this is one of those things I just want you to reflect on with me. The blessing of prayer is there, there is insight, there is understanding, uh, but it, it's not necessarily going to be easy. It's not necessarily going to be uh, what we might think of as just God giving us a gift. Um, here very much connected to the trials and the tribulations of life. I think a lot of the things that we ask for are, are a little bit that way, where uh, God's seeing the big picture, God's seeing uh, much more than we could ever see, is going to answer our prayer, but it's, it's just not going to be quite as simple as the way we're, we're looking at it. Let's go over to James 4. Over in James 4, and I want to look a little bit at the extended context here as we go down. This is on the tail end of a section that started in, in uh, chapter 3. He's talking about wisdom from above, wisdom from below. And that, that's interesting, you know, to the previous point where we're seeking wisdom. We, we need to seek wisdom in the right place. God is going to help us to find that through the challenges and the difficulties of life filtered through his word. But we've got to make sure we're listening to the wisdom from above. And as chapter 4 begins, he, he asks the question, what, where do quarrels come from? Where, where do fights come from? Is it not your passions that are at war in you? You desire and you do not have. So here's people asking for something. And maybe, uh, you know, as he says next, uh, you, you murder, you covet and you cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You know, here's people that are, are wanting something, but they're not even asking for it. They're fighting and they're quarreling for it. They have no relationship with God, and so their, their lives are in dysfunction. Verse 3, you ask, but you do not receive, but because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. So there's another category of people who ask, but they don't receive because they're asking with the wrong motives. And I'd, I'd like you to kind of keep that in your head as we go along too, because... You know, in, in our prayer life, there's amazing blessings that come through prayer, but we have to work to make sure that we're asking for the right reasons, that we're not asking for selfish reasons, and this verse needs to be filtered into those thoughts. So look what he says next. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose that it is to no purpose that the Scripture says he jealously yearns, I'm sorry, he yearns jealousy, jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us. But he gives greater grace, therefore God is opposed to the proud, just like we saw in 1 Peter, but he gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you, draw near to God 
and he will draw near to you. Now, you notice as we're reading through that, he never mentioned prayer. He mentioned uh, asking God for things. He mentioned God wanting to dwell in us. He mentioned a submission to God. In verse 8, he mentioned a drawing near to God. I think all of those things take place and can take place during prayer. As we, we humble ourselves, we acknowledge our anxieties, our worries, uh, the, the lack of wisdom that we have, and we go to Him with thanksgiving, and we, we draw near to Him, and we ask, we make our petitions known to Him. Uh, we, we're humbling ourselves before Him, throwing ourselves at His feet, and, and it says that He will draw near to us. There, there is a closeness that we are able to develop with God in prayer. And if you've ever gone through a period of your life, which I would imagine most of us have, where you haven't been praying to God as you should. Where you, you maybe look back on days and weeks and months and hopefully not, but maybe years of your life where you, you weren't praying to God as you should. And you will be able to recognize that the relationship with God grew colder and colder and colder. You, you weren't growing closer to Him. You were drifting further and further away. He's, he's telling us God jealously desires His Spirit to dwell in us. He wants us to draw near to Him. He wants us to have that communication with Him. He wants us to, to seek that relationship. And this is something that we see all throughout Scripture. The more you think about this, the more connections you'll see. God doesn't just want people to follow His commands. He wants us to have a relationship with Him. He wants us to love Him. He wants us to come to Him and, and to develop that closeness. And prayer is key. Prayer is so key. If you're not praying regularly, you are depriving yourself of this. And really in the context, if you think about what he's saying, God is saying, if you're not drawing near to me, if you're not humbling yourself before me, if you're not making requests known to me, as we saw from previous passages, you're actually more a friend of the world than you are me. You're, you're drawing near to the world, drawing near to me. Because we know you may not be praying as you should, but you're definitely talking to your friends, aren't you? showing yourself more a friend of God. And what does he say? He calls us adulteresses. Can you think of any language harsher than that? That's, a, that's as harsh as it gets. If you are not drawing close to God, if that relationship doesn't mean something to you, then God is jealous of that. He's jealous of whatever it is in your life that you're closer to than you are to Him. Prayer is key in our building that relationship. I'd like you to turn to uh, Lamentations for just a moment. As a, obviously written by the prophet Jeremiah. And there's a section here I just want us to key in on for just a minute that I think shows the relationship that the prophet has with God. It, it shows the closeness that, that Jeremiah has with God. And as we look at this, I would just like you to reflect on whether you have that closeness with God, whether or not in times of trouble, in times of, of plenty, in times of blessing or need or, or anxiety, do you have this kind of relationship, this kind of closeness with God? Uh, in, in chapter 3, verse 55, Jeremiah, and really back before that where he says in verse 54, I am lost. Here's this, a man going through a period of time and he says, I'm lost. You ever, have you ever felt that way? I'm lost. I don't know what to pray. I don't know what direction to go in. I don't know what to do. He says, I'm lost. 
I called on your name, O Lord, from the depths of the pit. From the depths of the pit, I called to you. You heard my plea. Do not ears to my cry for help. You came near when I called to you. Isn't that exactly what James told us? If we draw near to Him, He'll draw near to us. You came near when I called to you, and you said, do not fear. You have taken up my cause, O Lord. You have redeemed my life from the pit. It's just beautiful to think about. It's beautiful to see that relationship. And we, we need to be working to develop that. We need to be working to develop that relationship, that closeness with the Lord. And prayer is a big part of that. Coming back to Matthew, uh, Matthew chapter 6, back in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus gives us some instruction here about prayer. And it, it's something that, you know, again, I'm sure we've looked at several times before. I just want to reflect on it in, in the vein of thought that we're in tonight. Uh, Matthew 6, uh, picking up in verse 5, he says, When you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and in the street corners, that they may be seen by others. See, that's their goal, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray... Go into your room, shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. He goes on to talk about not heaping up empty phrases, meaningless repetition, and so on. Uh, I want to reflect on that for a minute in this vein. Prayer is a very unique opportunity for us to express pure devotion to God. It's an opportunity that we can have just between us and our Creator. You know, obviously we we pray together when we're in assembly. Uh, We pray with families, I'm sure. Uh, Most of us pray before meals, even when we're out and about. Of course, I've I've heard people quote these verses and say, well, see, we we shouldn't pray. Not to pray in order to be seen of others. It's like, well... What's your motivation? Are you praying to be seen of others, or are you just praying because you want, want to pray, and if they see it, they can glorify God if they, if they uh, connect the dots there. He's not telling us not to pray at all in public, but he's asking us to check our motivation. Check your motivation. This is the way I would like you to think about this. ever pray in you know mealtime with your family or worship with the saints if you never go into your closet like this is describing and pray to your father who is in secret one-on-one if you never do that you're missing something priceless you're missing something precious this is an opportunity where you can have a conversation with God and your motives can't be questioned you know you're there for no other reason than to talk to God you're not doing it because somebody might see you you're not doing it because you know you're supposed to you have an opportunity there in the quietness of your closet or wherever you are to do nothing but just offer pure devotion to God and that's a that's a very special opportunity just about everything else that we do in our service to God has some kind of connection to others there's always some, have you ever struggled with that? Something in the back of your mind where you're wondering, am I doing this because I should or am I doing this because somebody might see me doing this? And you know, There is an opportunity. 
your closet and remove any doubt of that. This is 100% me drawing near to God. Me coming to have that relationship with God and offer pure devotion to Him. One more time, I'd like you to go to Psalm 63 with me. And I want to read this whole psalm. This is uh, a beautiful psalm. It's one of David's. And as we read this, I think you'll see what I'm trying to express. I hope, I hope I'm expressing it in a, in a good way, in a profitable way. But it, when I read this psalm and I think about the relationship that David has with God, I'm challenged to build that relationship with God, with me and God, to, to try to draw near to him, to try to build that closeness, to try to build that relationship. So as I, as I read this psalm, just think about that for yourself. Do you have this kind of relationship with God? Are you this kind of close to God? Because I really I think it connects to some of the earlier points. If you have this kind of closeness with God, anxiety is going to fly away. If you have this kind of relationship with God, you're going to have access to His wisdom in a much easier way than you would if you didn't have this relationship. So just, just think about this as I read and, and just ask yourself, reflect, is, does that express my relationship with God? Uh, if not, obviously we need to challenge ourselves to do better, to draw near. Psalm 63, verse 1. O oh God, You are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you. In a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory, because your steadfastness is better, I'm sorry, your steadfast love is better than life. My lips will praise you, so I will bless you as long as I live. In your name I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips when I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night. For you have been my help, there's the thankfulness, in the shadow of your wings I will sing for joy. My soul clings to you, your right hand upholds me. Those who seek to destroy my life shall go down to the depths of the earth. They shall be given over to the power of the sword. They shall be a portion for the jackals. But the king shall rejoice in God. All who swear by him shall exalt, for the mouths of liars will be stopped. Several phrases in there that I really think are worth meditating on. I'd, I'd ask you to, to challenge yourself, take this home with you, read that, and think about whether you have that relationship with the Lord. Are you showing that kind of pure devotion to him? I'm not sure. I think my, my clicks have gotten off just a little bit here. <laughs> Uh, so when you talk to people in the world about prayer and you try to explain to them how you have a peace that passes understanding how you have this relationship with God how you know the wisdom of God and the wisdom of God's word helps you to, to get through life and one of the things that I think a lot of times will come up is they will in some way allude to the fact that that's, that's just empty you know you're, you're, a lot of times people in the world they want to look at our faith and, and just kind of say, well, yeah, you know, that's just all internal. You, you have this inter you're believing in something that's not real. You're finding comfort. You're finding peace, a peace that passes understanding. But you're finding it, they would say, in an empty way, in, in a way that has no foundation, a way that has no real help. And I, I don't want us to just think of this as strictly an internal thing. Well, we're blessed because we get peace. We're blessed because we get wisdom. We get this closeness to God. It, it's, it's more than just 
um, you know, a peace. It's more than just that. It, there is real help to be found in prayer. In Matthew 7, uh, Jesus tells us in verse 7, he says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. Remember in James 4, he says, You, you don't have it because you don't ask. Well, here's the solution. Ask, knock, seek. Draw near to him, and he'll draw near to you. We, there is, we have access to real help. In verse 8, he says, Everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, it will be open to you. God is offering not just a, a, a supernatural kind of a peace, or he's not, it, this is not empty. This is an all-powerful God telling us, if you seek it, I'll help you. Ask, I'll help you to get it. You know, that, that's power, power that we're accessing through prayer. Now look what he says next. This kind of gets back to what we saw from 1 Peter 5. God cares for you. Don't forget in, in all of this, God cares for you. He says, which one of you, if his son ask him for bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? I've had fun playing with my kids with that. You know, they ask for something and, and it kind of twisted around on them. He says, no, you, you know how to give good gifts to your kids. Verse 11, if then you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children. We, we know how to take care of our children. He says, if you who are evil know how to do that, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask? It's just such a simple principle. It's such a basic principle is God wants to take care of us. God cares for us. He wants to bless us. And so all he's really asking is, you know, draw near to him. Develop that closeness. Uh, seek him. Come to him with your, your request, as Philippians said, and we will have access to help from God. Very real, powerful help from the Lord. We have a powerful example of that in James 5. Remember, uh, James 5, 16 through 18, talks about the prayer of Elijah. You familiar with that example? Uh, he prayed, and there wasn't rain on the earth for three years. I mean, it, That's the example he points to to say, hey, there's power in prayer. There's very real power in prayer. And he, he concludes that in verse 18 by saying, the prayer of a righteous man availeth much. There, there is much power in the prayer of a righteous person. You know, there's one caveat to that, and it goes back to a previous point. In, in 1 John 5 and verse 14, he says that we need to ask according to his will. We need to ask according to his will. And this is where, you know, we our motivation. What, are we praying for our own selfish motives? You know, I prayed for a Lamborghini. I didn't get a Lamborghini. You know, what's God thinking? He told me I could ask and I would receive. Well, why are you praying? And this is where, you know, like I say, the, the closeness to God and the pure devotion that we're supposed to show to God. Are you praying for yourself, for your selfish? Remember James 4? Are you, are you praying for your own selfish motives? Or are you praying for the good of the kingdom? And so our, our prayer should be, you know, not, not help me to, to get a special car because I think it would be fun, but, you know, help me help vehicle I can to serve your kingdom. You know, help, help me to get the, the best house that I can so that I can be hospitable to others. Help me to get the best job that I can, not, not just so I can take my ease, eat and drink and be merry, but help me to get the best job that I can where I'll be of service to others, where I can serve your kingdom. I, I think we need 
to, maybe you don't have to say it after every phrase, but that needs to be in the back. Why am I asking for this? Why am I asking for this? If you're praying for your own selfish motives, then you may not be praying according to His will. More than likely, you're not. Uh, we need to pray, try to pray according to His will. And, and even when we're trying to pray according to His will, sometimes uh, we're not going to be uh, in line with Him. But that's what we need to be striving for. And that, again, connects with the drawing near to Him and making sure we're developing that relationship with Him. In Luke 22, if you turn to Luke 22... This is a, a powerful example of prayer. And a lot of times this is pointed to as an example of a prayer that wasn't answered. Uh, you know, here in, in Luke 22, Jesus in the, the garden is praying. And he instructs his disciples to pray as well. He tells them in verse 40, uh, pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he says it again in verse 46, why are you sleeping? Rise and pray that you may not enter into temptation. Uh, the Lord's Prayer, the model prayer that we, we quote so often, he, he says, you know, lead us not into temptation. Lead us not into temptation. Uh, prayer is a way in which we can get through the difficulties. We can get through uh, the uh, challenges, the, the temptations uh, that we go through. Uh, Jesus here prays that the cup would pass from him. Remember how he words that in verse 42? If you're willing, remove this cup, remove this trial, remove this challenge from me. And there's you know, probably a lot that could be said about that, but more often than not we read that and we say, well, God just, God just told him no. You know, and, and Jesus even says, uh, nevertheless, not my will but thine be done. And so, we, well, God just told him no. It's not really what happened. Look what he says next, or what the text says next in verse 43. There appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him. Pretty important detail. <laughs> it's a pretty important detail. Uh, Jesus prayed, and God gave him help. God gave him strength. He sent an angel to minister to him. And I, I'm not sure exactly what Jesus meant when he said, let this cup pass from me. And, and you know, I think there's a lot that could be said about that. But God didn't just ignore Jesus. God didn't just leave him out there, hang him out there to dry. He, uh, he was there. He gave him help. He gave him strength. And the point is made a lot of times, you know, that God, God doesn't necessarily answer the prayer in exactly the way that we are looking for it to be answered. And I, I think that's a fair point. I think that's a good thing to think on. A lot of times we pray for something specific, and it just doesn't happen. And we say, well, look, there, that prayer failed. But a lot of times God answers the spirit of the prayer even while not giving us the specific thing that we asked for. And maybe this is an example of that. But Jesus got help. He got the strength from God. He got what he needed to get through this difficulty. I put up there 1 Corinthians 10, 13. That's just such a comforting passage. It, it tells us there God will not allow us to be tempted beyond what we're there. Uh, access that benefit. Talk about a relief from anxiety. When you're going through a challenge, when you're going through a temptation, and you know God won't allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able to bear, talk, talk about peace that passes understanding, knowing that, that this trial is something that you can get through. Not only that, and I should have put this on the board, but turn over to Hebrews 2. Hebrews 2 
is another very comforting passage. And uh, we, we can meditate on this one and get strength and peace from this as well. This is a, a text that really begins back up in verse 5, uh, Hebrews 2, 5. It's talking about Jesus putting on flesh. He had to be made like the brethren, made like us, so that he be, could become this merciful and faithful high priest. So kind of comes to a head there in verse 17. And then he says in verse 18, For because he himself has suffered when tempted. So Jesus suffered when he was tempted. Because of that, the verse says, he is able to help those who are being tempted. He is able to help those who are being tempted. That's help that we access, that we have access to through prayer. And we, we ought not to take that for granted. We have access to that help. We have access to that strength. Uh, the same one who prayed in the garden and an angel came strengthening him is offering us help. You can come forward to chapter 4 and verse 16. Uh, this is immediately after he tells us that Jesus was tempted at just as we are, yet without sin. In the beginning of that verse, in Hebrews 4 and verse 15, he says, we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. Verse 16, he says, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. What is, what is that if not prayer? We can with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. Prayer gives us access to grace to help in our time of need. Very real help from God. Very real access to uh, a way to get through our difficulties. The final point that I'd like to present this evening as far as blessings of prayer is one that uh, maybe we should have started with. Uh, in 1 John 1 and verse 9, he tells us he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. If we'll just confess, if we'll just confess, he will forgive us. Uh, Acts 8 is the example there of Simon the sorcerer. Remember, Simon uh, offered money to buy the gift or the ability to impart the gift. I know Adam was breaking that down in his Acts sermons uh, just a week or two back. And Peter says, you, Simon, you need to pray that this would be forgiven you. And Simon immediately answers back and asks Peter. He says, Peter, you please pray for me. So Peter tells him, you need to pray. Simon says, you please pray. They, they knew, uh, Peter certainly knew, and Simon knew, was learning that through he could have forgiveness. Through prayer, he could have the forgiveness from the Lord. That's how he accessed that. And this is something that we need to keep in our minds. Uh, the way that we get forgiven as children of God, we don't have to come forward and, and be rebaptized, you know, every time we sin. That we would never, <laughs> never, never stop being baptized if that was the case. We have access to continual forgiveness. That's what First John one is describing: continual forgiveness. If we will just ask for it, if we'll just ask for it, we can have forgiveness of our sins. One of the most beautiful passages, Psalms there, Psalm 32, is where David is describing the, the just horrible time he was going through when he was trying to hide his sin. Are you familiar with the psalm? He, he talks about his strength wasting away because he was trying to keep quiet about his sin. And then in the middle there of the psalm, he says, I confess, I opened up, I, I confess my iniquity to you, and immediately you forgave the guilt of my sin. You forgave the guilt of my sin. That, that is 
possibly one of the most amazing things about prayer that God is able, uh, that He's willing to listen to us and continue to forgive us uh, time and time again. As I say, I, I would imagine we could go around the room and keep adding to the li- this list, and I know we could keep adding verses to these points. That was one of the hardest things about getting this lesson together was trimming down the verses so that we wouldn't be spending two hours on this. But I, I would definitely encourage you to take these thoughts home with you. Try to meditate on them. Try to, try to really take it in and think about how you can improve your prayer life. Specifically, the, the point where the most helpful to me was thinking about the closeness to God and the opportunity for pure devotion to God, that, that personal relationship. You know, praying with your brethren is wonderful. You know, that's such a blessing. But I, there's no replacing that one-on-one personal relationship that you're supposed to have with God. So I, I would encourage you to challenge yourself. Uh, if that's not something that's a part of your spiritual life, please try to make it so because it's such an amazing blessing that we have access to through prayer. As we prepare to sing an invitation song, I'd just like everyone to think about uh, their own soul's condition. This is an opportunity for all of us to think about whether or not we're right with the Lord. If you know for whatever reason that you're not, if you need to come forward, if you need to make confession, uh, the opportunity exists. So let's all use this as an opportunity to examine ourselves. And if you need to make changes, please come forward as we stand and sing. Thanks for listening and studying God's Word with us. We want to help you draw closer to Jesus as your Lord. If you feel some need as a result of today's message, whether that be a need to seek God's salvation or you are just in the need of prayers, please reach out to us. You can find out more about us, including contact information at edwardslakechurch.org. If you want to continue to open God's word with us, please check out other sermons on our podcast or come visit with us at Edwards Lake Church anytime you can. Thanks again, and we pray God's blessings for you.